0: Previously on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Back in the day, and I hate to be the guy like back in the day, but back in the day, but you can't have alcohol, women, and weapons. You're not going to out gangster real gangsters. She did cocaine that day, but not. That cocaine. If you didn't watch a three and a half hour baseball game, you damn sure don't care about a two hour baseball game. You need to upgrade a lot of places. If something go down, I got it. You need to stay clean. Your name got to be out of it. One night I was at Carrington. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of bad stories start with one night I was at Carrington. <laughs> right. Well, I think that they get paid thirty million dollars to figure that down. <laughs> out. <Yeah. laughs> if you ain't doing that, you're not on my level. We
1: believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two, one. And once again, our mighty ship is back on course.
0: Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Mama, there goes that man. You know Show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade Podcast. So glad that you are joining us for this edition. It's been a minute, but I'm back, and I am glad that you are here for this one. It should be a whole lot of fun. We hope to inform and entertain and provide a little bit of insight for you. And we have a special guest, and I'll tell you all about that in just a second. But first and foremost, welcome to all the people who are listening to the podcast for the very first time. We certainly appreciate that. We appreciate that invite you to become a part of this community that we are building and you can do so several ways and I'll tell you about that in just a second and also shouts out to all the people who listen to each and every episode who share, like, comment, call the sports line, Shouts out to you all and we welcome you back and finally welcome aboard to all of those who know who Tony Yayo is. I had to find that out over the last couple of days. Now, you'll find out why in just a little bit, but a welcome to each and every one of you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and we want to invite you guys to be interactive. I talked about that, and the way to do so is by calling a sports line. We made a phone line available for you guys 24 hours a day to leave a message. You can ask a question, make a comment, give us some feedback, make a request, all of those things by calling 832-941-6614. That's 832. 941-6614. In addition to that, you can go on Facebook to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group. We want you to join the group and like the page. And there's uh, quite a lot of folks who post on Facebook, uh, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade Facebook page, the group page. So there you can uh, chime in. We post poll questions from time to time and you can be interactive that way. And finally, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. And I need to make these uniformed, and I, I think I will here. Here shortly, but uh, right now on Instagram, D Wade 909. 909- D Wade 909 I think the biggest thing that I've done lately is to start posting more on Instagram. So I'm providing a lot more content on Instagram, not of my own volition. I, it's been sort of thrust upon me. I've been told that this is something that I need to do. And of course you can follow me on Twitter at Wade's word. Well, this time out, we have a great one playing for you. We have a conversation with Chris Gardner from the Houston round ball review will be heavy on college basketball this time out, and I'll tell you why in just a second. In addition to that, we'll get into a few of the headlines, uh, things that I want to talk about and sort of hone in on. We will have a Lamont Award for the big dummy of the episode, and of course, we'll hear from our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy, so all of those things are coming up, but first, let's get into some Headlines! Before we get into headlines, I do want to say that I am under the weather. If you haven't been able to figure that out by now, I'm very nasally, very congested. But the good news is I am COVID-free. I'm taking my COVID test. Anytime you get sick these days, you have to take the test. But I think it's just a good old-fashioned head cold. So uh, it's i really been under the weather for a couple of days. And really, this podcast was supposed to come out a few days ago. And I'm just been trying to recuperate and get myself back together. So thank you for asking or thank you for noticing and if it's sort of annoying just please bear with me for this episode as we kind of get through this as (laughs) i uh, recover from this head cold but normally in headlines we talk about the biggest stories of the week and i think the nba and down the stretch and some of the things that are happening in the nba are the Sort of the biggest things right now. We're leading into the draft. Major League Baseball is underway. Astros not off to a great start. I'll touch on baseball a little bit later on. The Masters is going on. Not going to talk about that because Tiger Woods is having an awful third round. Looks like he doesn't want to be out there. It's cold and it's rainy. And he's plus nine after making his 23rd consecutive cut so congratulations to him for that and I'm telling you I still will watch him I don't know what it is I can't really articulate it at this point but anytime that he's in it I'm going to watch and I'm going to watch his round and as we speak I'm kind of peeking in on the Masters but I want to get into the Final Fours and it's easy for me to talk about because the Final Four was here in Houston and I was in attendance I covered the event and I was there for the weekend in addition to that the women's Final Four was just down the street and obviously That dominated the headlines, the Angel Reese, Caitlin Clark situation. And I'll talk about that in just a second. Let's start with the men, though. Final Four here in Houston. And there are a lot of things that are not good about college basketball. And I don't know if some of these things can be fixed. And I know that the NCAA, they're going to try to legislate some of this stuff and try to pull back control from the freedom that these players are having, maybe for the sake of the game. But essentially what you have now is players are on one-year contracts. (laughs) I mean, really, they're they're there for one year, and you don't know what's going to happen after that. I think that's a huge issue. But let's talk about three of the four teams in the Final Four were there for the very first time. Is that good for the Final Four? If you're looking at the ratings, no, it was not good. It might be good for coaches to have a conversation like, hey, we can get there. If Florida Atlantic, San Diego State, and Miami can get there for the first time, Why can't we? So I think that it's good for the coaches and good for fan bases to think that, boy, there really is legit possibility of going to the Final Four. I think before, the aspiration always was, we're going to be a giant killer. We're going to have a huge upset in the tournament. Usually after you have that big upset, you come back down to reality. And through the years, we've seen VCU and George Mason and an unknown butler program come out of nowhere. I mean, essentially Gonzaga came out of nowhere, but they've been such a powerhouse for, what, 20 years now. But when they first burst onto the scene and started making all of these appearances in the tournament, they virtually came out of nowhere. But by and large, it's been the big blue blood programs that have gotten all the success and really elevated the sport from an interest standpoint. Now, what happens when you don't have anybody really to root for and you have these fan bases? And what hurt here in Houston is, man, all the programs were so far away from the city. So it wasn't even a regional thing. So unless you were just an alum of that school and you happen to live in Houston or nearby, which there aren't as many as, say, a... North Carolina or Duke or, you know, you name your program, Kentucky, Kansas, Texas, even U of H, any of those schools, it would have been a much, much better, much more entertaining, well, a much more exciting uh, Final Four. I just think by the time we got to the Final Four, people were pretty apathetic. And what I worry about and one of the things that you can look for is – These big schools poaching guys from these programs. I want to look and see how many of these underclassmen who made contributions during the tournament from Florida Atlantic and San Diego State and even Miami. I want to see how many of them enter the transfer portal and where they end up. Because we see it on every level. These guys are leaving. I mean, we've seen a number. Caleb Love left North Carolina. He's going to Michigan. We see Tremont Mark, and we'll talk a lot about him in the U of H program. You have 33 wins. You're a young contributor to this team. You're going to be the heir apparent. You're going to be the guy next year. And you decide to leave University of Houston, that's not a good look. I mean, I think Houston will be fine. I think, of course, North Carolina will be fine. But the movement is a lot to deal with. And, and again, every year you have to learn a whole new cast. I mean, turnover is unbelievable throughout college basketball, and I can't believe that that is good for the program. Also, how much school loyalty do you have? I mean, these guys are essentially mercenaries. They're, they're free agents. And, again, I'm not, I'm not unhappy about them because, obviously, you want – kids to uh, exploit the situation because they've been exploited for so long. So take advantage of it, get the money, get the best opportunities for yourself. But sometimes I do think you are better served to stay in one place. And and you can look at the pros for for one example, just maybe this is the anomaly. But when you look at the career of like Deion Sanders, Deion Sanders, one of the greatest players to ever play in the NFL, right? No team is going to retire his jersey you know maybe atlanta maybe but he's not he's not going down in the lore of dallas cowboys history or san francisco 49ers history or baltimore ravens history you know and and not even i mean maybe atlanta maybe atlanta because they haven't had the kind of success of those other teams but like he was a free agent he was a hired gun and when you do that, you don't have any one fan base to be, you know, that to adore you and love you. One of the things about being a true fan is you had those guys that you knew you could root for every year, year after year. They were your guys, they were Houston Oilers, or Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, and I think that you can benefit from staying with a program because you have some of these fan bases that you could be famous forever. You got Duke players. They can go back who were there. Maybe they didn't have all the championships, but they are as loved for being at three and four years and being a part of that Duke family for years. It's still beneficial to them. Same thing with North Carolina and the bigger programs. It's beneficial to stay with a program over the years, I would think. But again, you're talking about NIL money. You're talking about opportunities to get a higher profile, a better fit, win more games. I, I don't know. I, I just think it's uh, it's every man for himself. It's a free-for-all, and I do not think that ultimately that is good for the game, although I know that it's good for the players in a lot of cases. I do, do think that it's to the detriment of some players, but it is what it is, and we just have to get used to it, and uh, we'll have to see what happens. Give me your thoughts on that, 832-941-6614. What, if anything, can be done... To improve college basketball. Give me your thoughts on that. Because the games themselves, of course, UConn dominated everybody and we've already seen one guy go pro. Sanogo is the only guy that was really kind of known in college basketball circles in this Final Four. But I saw some things. Obviously, the Florida-Atlantic game versus San Diego State was a really exciting finish. And the Final Four itself is great. That was my second time going to the Final Four. And I grew up with that being as important an event as any in American sports for me. And, of course, I grew up at an influential time where U of H was in the Final Four a lot, and those guys were household names because they were in school three and four years with the same school. So you knew you had Patrick Ewing for a few years and Ralph Sampson and Clyde Drexler and Hakeem Olajuwon and Michael Young. I mean, the list goes on and on. Wayman Tisdale, Mullen, Chris Mullins, Mark Jackson, all the guys at UNLV. When you talk about Stacey Ogman and Larry Johnson, the, so some of those guys were superstars before they ever played in the NBA. And Some of those guys weren't very good NBA players, but were huge college basketball players. And I sort of missed that, and we'll never go back to that, but it was a whole lot of fun when the game of college basketball really exploded into the mainstream. And speaking of exploding into the mainstream, women's college basketball. Man, what a huge weekend for the women's final four. And obviously, that's all anybody's been talking about. Angel Reese and the You Can't See Me, the John Cena No, not John Cena, the Tony Yayo. (laughs) So if you don't know this, uh, Tony Yayo from the G-Unit, and I had to be schooled on this, from the G-Unit with 50 Cents and Lloyd Banks came up with the You Can't See Me sign. That was adopted by John Cena, the wrestler, and became, I guess, popular with everybody or a certain segment of society. And it started with Caitlin Clark doing it, and then Angel Reese did it. So what we had there was a culture war by proxy. Okay, so this is what this really exploded into. So, if you don't know how we got here, here is how we got here Iowa. Now, if you closed your eyes and envisioned what you think an Iowa basketball, women's basketball team would look like. They look like that, (laughs) okay? Now, maybe I'm just stereotyping, but that's sort of the thing. It's pretty much an all-white team versus LSU and the newly sort of minted Bayou Barbie, Angel Reese, and uh, all-black LSU Tiger team. So they met in the final. Here is what was going on. Caitlin Clark is transformative. She's one of the, the greats already, and she has another year to play college basketball. She is phenomenal. She is the truth. And if you want to know, some people think, "Oh, all of this hype behind Caitlin Clark is because she's white." Well, no, she can ball. She can ball for real. Before this performance in the NCAA tournament for on the women's side. The most dominant performance I saw was that of Cheryl Swoops. Cheryl Swoops was uh, amazing in, what, 92, I think was her year, 92 uh, in the tournament, where Caitlin Clark broke her records. Now, she took a, an extra game to get there, but she had back-to-back 40-point games. Not only that, they beat South Carolina in the semifinal. South Carolina is in the SEC And uh, so is LSU, but Caitlin Clark went in and put in work back to back 40 point performances. So obviously all the hype, all the talk in this tournament and and throughout sports really has been about Caitlin Clark, Caitlin Clark, Caitlin Clark. Well, she also has some swag about her. She she's also an intense trash talker and she competes and she talks noise. And at some point uh, versus Louisville. She waved a hand in front of her face, making the John Cena slash Tony Yayo sign. You can't see me. Then there was a point in the South Carolina game where there was a, a player on the perimeter about to shoot a three-pointer, and she just waved her off. And, like, if she wants to shoot it, let her shoot it. And so that was seen by a lot of folks. First of all, it was a lot of laughing and joking about it, which it was It was funny and disrespectful at the same time. However, I mean, I think the media obviously hop, hopped on that and made that a bigger deal than it was. We'll get into why she waved it off a little bit later on, because there are basketball reasons why all of that happened. So basically, she did the John Cena slash Tony Yayo. Come the finals, when LSU was just clearly dominating them, and won that game. I mean, they put up 102 points, blew them out of the water, had an extremely incredible shooting game from the perimeter, hitting three-pointers and really doing something they haven't done all season from the three-point line. That happened. So she started doing the John Cena and pointed to her ring finger where the championship ring is going to go. And she followed Caitlin Clark around, waving her hand sort of in her face. Caitlyn Clark seemed to not even be oblivious to it or where she was ignoring it or whatever that happened. So then the, the culture war by proxy started to happen. So you had a lot of people being Karen on behalf of Caitlyn Clark. And what I mean by that, you know, you had a lot of people wanting to make Caitlyn Clark this victim when she was about that life. She was in the arena. She did it. She talked noise. She did her thing. But there were a lot of people who wanted to make her a Karen. Like, oh, no, you know, this was horrible sportsmanship. They used pretty crude terms to describe Angel Reese and what she did calling a classless, a effing idiot. It was a lot going on with that. And so right there, Twitter just went to war. It went down on Twitter. And a lot of people chimed in, including Shaq. And, I mean, you name it, people have climbed in on this. And all of these, this is what I call a drive-by controversy. Because you have people who do not pay attention to women's college sports that hop in. And when one side hops in, I guess this imaginary one side versus the other, when one side hops in the other side hops in but it didn't stop there because jill biden the first lady was in attendance and she got caught up in the moment and she was like oh this was such a great game maybe both teams should come to the white house and that was like a huge faux pas we don't celebrate second place in america we don't do that only the champs go now do i think that there was some sort of malice there or she wanted to, to Look out for the the white team that got bested in the finals. I don't think it was that. I think she was there. She got caught up in the moment. And she was like, oh, man, this is such a wonderful weekend. The energy, I'm sure, was incredible. We've never seen anything like this in the Final Four. We've never seen the numbers of viewers in the Final Four. I mean, and that's from the semifinals as well. And she said something that she shouldn't have said. Now, her press secretary, they walked all of that back. But Angel Reese was in her feelings big time about that. And she was like, I don't want to go see the Bidens. I don't want to go to the White House. i go with the Obamas. Well, you got to slow your roll there. Calm yourself down. In, in addition to that, this was the, the wildest thing. She said that Jill Biden was supposed to come in the locker room before the game. And the team said that they did not want her to come into the locker room because Joe Biden picked Michigan to beat them in his bracket. See, this is where all this stuff gets a lot. Extra. I mean it gets really, really extra. There's so many levels to it. So let me start by saying this 90% of what Angel Reese did on the floor, no problem. And and even if she was a bit excessive following Caitlin Clark around, yeah, not cool, but we're not gonna make a huge deal out of that. Was it the best thing to do? No. Was she caught up in the moment? Yes. But that happens on the court all the time. And no harm, no foul. Caitlin Clark certainly didn't take exception to it. But there are a lot of levels to this thing. I think, essentially, now these are my opinions, because I don't know Angel Reese's mindset about this. But I really think that Angel Reese looked around and said, well, wait a minute, why are they giving this young lady, this young lady, this particular young lady, all of this attention what about me? We, we've we only lost two or three games. We should have been a, a, a two seed, at least a two seed, not a three seed. It's about us. We're doing our thing. Why is she getting all the attention? And I mean, a very specific she, and I think I would imagine. And again, this is just me that she assumed that Caitlin Clark was getting all of that attention. Cause she was a white player and not a black player. And that's, Incorrect because of Leah Boston and South Carolina was getting a lot of hype before that, and Caitlin Clark obviously emerged during the course of the tournament. But this whole season has been a, about two things: South Carolina and Caitlin Clark. And Caitlin Clark has done her thing; she's deserved her attention. But Angel Reese wanted some of that shine, so I really think it was about. Her wanting more that shine, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think that she made it personal. If you ask me, she made it personal with Caitlin Clark. Not with Iowa, with Caitlin Clark. And I think the other part of that, it was stated that, oh, they disrespected South Carolina. Well, they didn't guard South Carolina on the perimeter because South Carolina's not a great perimeter shooting team. And, by the way, they were getting out-rebounded, I want to say, 26-5. to So, like, they needed to pack the paint to try to get the rebound. So if you're going to have somebody out there on the perimeter shooting the ball, shoot away. We're just going to try to play for the rebound. It was a basketball decision. The wave off is the wave off, and you can do with that what you will. If you have a problem with that, you can have a problem with that. But I don't generally have a problem with any of it. But in the backdrop of all this, you have a situation, and nobody's talking about Everybody's talking about well, women talk trash all the time. Women, you know, this is going on, and I think the NCAA is going to probably address this on some level because they don't want the controversy to sort of outshine the game itself. However, the controversy will bring many more eyeballs to the game of women's basketball. So I think yeah, while the controversy may not be good for the game per se, it is good for the game because it's going to get people talking. People cannot wait to see Iowa versus LSU next year, and I bet you that they will schedule that in the regular season. But in the backdrop of all of that trash talking on both sides, which, again, I don't generally have a problem with any of it. You have a situation with a young lady named Jamaira Shoots from Memphis. She was charged with assault. She plays for Memphis, and she played against Bowling Green in the WNIT semifinal. And what she did was she got angry about something, and in the handshake line after the game in which Memphis lost to Bowling Green, she punched this young lady, Alyssa Britt, a white player in the face at Bowling Green and instead of letting it go and, you know, sort of brushing it off and, you know, maybe whatever, suspension, whatever, uh, she was uh, arrested and charged with assault. So she is dealing with that situation. So you have physical assault and then with, with the trash talking and the look on national television, I would imagine that the NCAA will crack down on some of the trash talk. But I think this was much ado about not much. And I think that the backlash really came from the response to the backlash Angel Reese received from white media members. Does that make sense? So the backlash wasn't that she did it. The backlash came because she got backlash and the way it came. And then it got into a larger discussion about how women, black women are perceived and That's a real issue, and that needs to be addressed. And you address that by having more, what, African Americans as editors on editorial boards who are in the newsroom making these decisions, having these conversations, writing these stories. You got to have some diversity there. Because if you don't, you can be very, very culturally clueless, if not downright racist. So it's an interesting thing. I think at the end of the day, Angel Reese She did tone it down a little bit. She says she will go to the White House, which that's the right decision. Because if you get too caught up and you get too far out there over your skis, what will happen is that while you're making a ton of money, you'll be eliminating possibilities to make even more money. Now, you know, you can say, well, you don't do stuff for money. You know, you do it because that's what you believe. But, hey, the game is the game. And understand, you don't want to just totally alienate people before you you really get an opportunity to make transformative sort of generational wealth for yourself and your family. So I hope she makes some smart decisions and real some of that in because I think there's a line that you can go up to and be edgy and controversial and original, whatever that is. But if you cross that, then all of a sudden now you become the ultimate villain and not not in a good way, not in a Floyd Mayweather way but in a way that people don't want to have you be the face of their brand. So we'll have to see. Give me your thoughts on that. I know a lot of people do have thoughts about that. 832-941-6614. Going to take the time out, come back on the other side. We still have our conversation with Chris Gardner from Houston Round Ball Review, and we have a Lamont Award. This is Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Anyway, you get your podcast.
2: Your children are the most precious gift God has given you. Their well-being is of the utmost importance and finding childcare that exhibits the same belief is, well, non-negotiable. So why not end your search at Brighter Brains Learning Center? Located in Stafford, Texas, Brighter Brains is a licensed, family-owned and operated daycare that promotes an early educational foundation and provides an environment of love, safety, and quality care for children ages 6 weeks to 5 years old. For more information, call 346-328-3717 or visit BrighterBrainSLearningCenter.org. It's Shelly Wade and welcome back to Sports Talk with Devin Wade.
0: I have a lot of thank yous I want to issue out to you all because it's been a minute since I've come to you with the podcast. I've been extremely busy doing a number of things, not the least of which is on Final Four weekend, we had our very first KTSU Sports Talk Live Remote. We went to the world-famous Breakfast Club and uh, did Live Remote, and it was fantastic. My guy, Haywood Jeffries, came through. He always comes through. Whenever I need him, he always shows up. And he, uh, he was there to hang out and have a conversation. We talked a little college basketball with him. Also, head coach Johnny Jones of the Texas Southern Tigers. And in addition to that, we had our athletic director, Dr. Kevin Granger, our vice president in collegiate athletics. He showed up, and he was there. In addition to that, Ricky Winslow from Five Slammer Jammer showed up, and we had a chance to visit with him. But the big guest was Jesse Jackson. Had a chance to talk to Reverend Jesse Jackson, the same Jesse Jackson who uh I am somebody who ran for president twice who was with Dr. Martin Luther King the moment before his death. I mean, he's an historic figure and a huge leader and had an opportunity to catch up with him. He was having breakfast there. Now, a lot of people thought that I was being uh, sort of short with him and trying to get him off of the air. So let me explain to folks, if you don't know what happened and you were listening. So what essentially happened was his handlers come up and say to me, you have two, maybe three minutes. My general manager comes up to me and says, hey, two, three minutes. Don't ask him, you know, too much. Just sort of, you know, why he's in Houston. Just have a brief kind of final four conversation. Nothing heavy. Just two to three minutes. I was told this. Like, it was clear. So, I asked Reverend Jackson a question and he starts to talk. And again, a career politician, a career speaker, he starts to elaborate on a lot of different things and he goes for a while. And I think I asked him one additional question and he went on for a little while. And then I said, well, thank you so much. You know, I hope you enjoyed your breakfast and, you know, it was, it was so glad to visit with you. And then he kept going. And so I would have loved to really indulge that conversation, but I couldn't because, again, I was trying to respect the parameters of the folks who are handling, you know, him and his situation right now because he's not in great health. And, uh, again, uh, I wanted to be respectful. I didn't rush of the Reverend Jesse Jackson off. I, I would have loved to have talked to him for as long as I could have had an opportunity to do so. But, yeah, we will cut a little short. But that was great another highlight for me an opportunity to talk to uh, reverend jesse jackson also want to thank you folks for all the birthday love had a birthday since i've come to you last and um that was cool and again the love man just the people reaching out has been unbelievable every year i mean it just it amazes me uh, folks just take out time if it's nothing but 10 seconds to write a happy birthday it's really important and it reminds me to do so for others so thank you for the birthday shouts out Uh, I've sort of worn down because we're doing the remote and then the final four and other things that are going on uh, and uh, just been really, really busy. And hence I'm kind of uh, paying for that now being under the weather. Going to take one more time out, come back with Chris Gardner and of course, Lamont award. This is the sports talk with Devin Wade podcast. Anyway, you get your podcast.
2: You are now listening to House Play House Play House Play House Play House Play House. DJ Energy.
0: Our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. You definitely want to check him out. It's a vibe. In and around the city of Houston, and of course, uh, you can check them out on SoundCloud and on Instagram. And if you have music you want heard on the podcast, just email us, music at com. music at com. If you're a fledgling artist or DJ and you want your song or mix to be heard, we will play a portion of a song or mix at the halfway point and an entire song or an extended portion of a mix at the end of an episode. So music at wadeswordproductions.com. Genre doesn't matter. We play just about everything. Little country, little jazz, little Latin jazz. We've done a lot. Gospel. Uh, So if you know someone who wants their music exposed to the thousands of folks who listen to the podcast, please uh, email us. So, with that being said, before we get into our conversation with Chris Gardner, want to, uh, well, I was going to talk about the Astros. Off to a little bit of a slow start, and I want to talk about the new rules as we've seen them unfold before our eyes here at the beginning of the season. I didn't count spring training because I didn't watch a lot of spring training, but I have watched some Major League Baseball since opening day. But the Astros, riddled with injuries, still no Altuve, Brantley, McCullers, uh, not the start that you would want. And uh, even Dusty's sort toy, of uh, toying with the top of that lineup. And uh, we'll have to see if that'll help turn things around. It's okay. you know, We're only eight games in. So they'll be fine. I believe in them. I believe. I believe. We've just become accustomed to them winning all of the time. But uh, an uncharacteristically slow start since this run has started back in 2017. So... That being said, want to bring in our guy chris Gardner been covering basketball forever and ever, and he continues to expand his audience and he is his exposure he's doing his thing he is really making it happen and again, we've been in the grind for a long, long time, so he's been around for a long time, and I certainly appreciate all that he's done and all that he's doing, and I wanted to have him on because no one knows more about basketball. Then uh, this guy, especially when you talk about college basketball, local college basketball, pro basketball, he is uh, he's the guy. So we had a conversation with him. And here is that conversation. From the Houston Round Ball Review, a guy who knows any and everything about basketball on both the college and professional levels. Our guy, Chris Gardner, how are you?
1: I'm doing great, man. How you doing?
0: Great, man. It was great to see you all over the weekend at the Final Four. We don't run into each other nearly enough. So it's always good to see you and catch up with you. And of course, when you talk about basketball, I always like to reach out to you and get your take and your opinion. And it was a big weekend, Final Four weekend here in Houston, Women's Final Four in Dallas. I want to start on the men's side. On the men's side, the national ratings, I guess 14, under 15 million people took in the championship game, the lowest, like, ever. Uh, talk a little bit about Mm -hmm. the lack of popularity was this a one-off because there were no real traditional blue bloods or was this more about the trend that we'll see moving forward in men's college basketball
1: i I think it's more of of the former of not enough blue bloods you know men's tournament march madness is great for the upsets in the early rounds, the first and second round but in terms of tv ratings the name programs blue bloods is what folks want to see in the final Four. Whether to cheer them or hate on them and boo them. They want to see them.
0: Well, you know, and you look at name recognition. I mean, you follow basketball m- much more closely than I do. How many of these guys in the Final Four were you really familiar with? Outside of maybe Snogo Sun- at-, at Connecticut. How many guys did you really know and be like, hey, we better watch out for this guy?
1: Well, you know, as Joe, fan, Joe and Jill fan, they didn't recognize any of them. <laughs> you know, let's be real, Devin. They didn't know anybody from San Diego state, hardly anybody from Miami folks learned about Miami after they beat the longhorns and the Cougars <laughs> last week. So prior to that, they didn't know who they were and Yukon, Adama and that's East coast. You don't keep up with a lot of Yukon people in the Yukon teams here in the South. So that's another part of it. The teams, Yukon is a blue blood now. I mean, five titles in 25 years, but they haven't been in a tournament on the men's side for a while. So that all factors into it. and, Ratings were low, but it's still almost 15 million people tuned in.
0: Yeah, and I wonder, I mean, and I try to explain to people (laughs) of a certain age that, hey, man, college basketball, those guys were household names. Many, many more guys were household names back in the day. How can that trend sort of, let me go back to this, with three out of four first-time programs in Mm -hmm. the Final Four, was that good or is that bad? Or is there good in that and bad in that?
1: Both. I think it's it's good to, for more parity, but it's bad for the lack of name recognition for TV. You know, the storylines were good. You know, that semifinal, Lamont Butler hit that game-winning shot over Florida Atlantic. That was great. Great TV. It was hype. But no one knows who they were. There weren't name players, name recognition prior to that game. You know, the upsets are good, but upsets means the favorite team or the more well-known team, more popular team, got beat. So that means the lesser team advanced into the tournament. So that's a problem for TV.
0: Well, you look at the uh, situation where a lot of guys have entered the transfer portal as well. I looked at the teams, and you can tell me your thoughts, and do you agree with this? I looked at like a Florida Atlantic, and I looked at San Diego State. To a less extent, Miami, and I'm like, they're going to be guys off of all three of these teams that are going to get poached by bigger programs. Mm-hmm. Do you think that uh, those three programs are susceptible to that because they did have so much success, or do you think these schools can keep these kids a- as a unit?
1: Oh, no, I think all three of them will lose players. I mean, let's be real, <laughs> Devin. We can just talk local. The Houston Cougars lost a player Jamon Mark. And the Cougars are more, obviously, they didn't get to the Final Four, but they're more nationally known than Florida Atlantic, and San Diego State. And then Baylor losing a, a key piece like LJ Cryer. That's a recent national champion. So if they can happen to bigger programs, It can definitely happen to San Diego State, Miami, and Florida Atlantic, for sure.
0: So I want to talk about Tremont Mark because that just doesn't seem to make sense to me unless it's just strictly a financial move or maybe some things behind the scenes. And and you have a lot more insight on that. But you have a team that was a number one seed. They spent seven weeks at number one. He was the heir apparent after Sasser graduates and moves on. It looked like it was going to be his team along with Shed. And then you got you guys like, Shaw and Arsenal coming up, and you still had Roberts coming back. But what happened then? What was that move? To, I mean, what knowledge can you impart as it pertains to why Tremont Mark left the U of H program?
1: It was not a surprise to folks around the program. I was in a conversation less than the last few days to look for it. So that was prior to Tremont making the announcement on that on Saturday. So it was not a surprise to me. Clearly, folks on the outside, let me, everything you just said made sense. You know, why would he leave? You know, the clues are ready to go to the Big 12. It would have been his team next year. A lot of different factors. But one, Tremont, from what I've been told, in his mind, would have gone to the NBA after his sophomore year. But he got hurt. So that pushed back his playing. He was not the main option this year. You know, but he was behind Marcus Sass and Jairus Walker. Some kids don't want to wait, don't want to be patient. You know, they hear outside voices. Why don't you get more touches? Why aren't they going through you more? You can go somewhere else, get better opportunities, and possibly get better NIL. So all that played a factor also. You know, the kids now saying, declaring for the draft, but maintaining my eligibility. Come
0: on, not getting drafted. <laughs> right, not this right.
1: Year. You know, so he. Is he
0: going to return, you think, to U of H? No. You think Shed is gone too?
1: No. No, I think Jabal's coming back.
0: Okay, okay. You think, okay, so, so Shed will be back. But, mm-hmm. but of course, we know that Mark is gone. And I know the kid you just mentioned, Cry from Baylor, is considering U of H. Is that a good fit for him?
1: In terms of, well, let's look at it. He's a better shooter, three-point shooter, than Jamon Jamal. He's more accurate three-point shooter than Marcus Sasser. Marcus Sasser was an All-American this year. Marcus Sasser was the winner of the Best Shooting Guard of the Jerry West Award this year. So Houston could tell LJ, you can go into Marcus Sasser's role, and shine and excel, be like Quinn Grimes and Sasser. And he's a better shooter, both of them, percentage-wise. So from a scoring standpoint and a shooting standpoint, yes, he is a better fit.
0: So, I mean, but, no, he's ha- I know he has one visit with U of H. He's setting up another. Do you think that uh, Coach Kelvin Sampson can close the deal with that one visit?
1: <laughs> from a basketball standpoint, yes. From a fit standpoint, yes. The question is, and just being real with the audience, is NIL. How much of a role will that play in his decision?
0: Now, is there someone that reaches out to Mattress Mac and says, hey, this is what we have to do? Or I mean, obviously each program you has. You said it. <laughs> you said
1: it, Devin. You said
0: it. I would imagine that that's how somebody somewhere is going to have that conversation. You know, this is the guy and this is what we need. And, and I know that all programs have those groups that are sort of organizing NIL. Mm-hmm. What is that structure like at U of H uh, from the, to the best of your knowledge? It is
1: more sound and structured than other programs. It probably could be better. You know, NIL, is, it's still in its infancy, but I think it is solid. I know some people who should be involved in, in the decision-making part of it, because think about this. With NIL, the college players have to learn how to balance their time between practice and their NIL appearances. Those better not conflict. Your NIL sponsor deal, whatever you want to call it, cannot have a photo shoot or an opportunity, you know, a business meeting that conflicts with practice time. That's not going to work at Houston. And kids, college kids, not as Houston. If they're making money via NIL deals, you know, Devin, honestly, that's part of their job, but so is playing their sport and excelling in their sport. Because the main reason you got the NIL deal is because of your performance in your sport. So don't let one suffer... For the other.
0: I want to ask you, when you think about players coming out of U of H, you know that they work on a lot of emphasis on defense and rebounding and some things that may not, like, get you – you know highlights, but it, mm-hmm. it makes you a sound player on the next level. Do guys think about that? I mean, because it seems like they prepare you to be a professional, at least on the defensive side. Even if you're not a guy that can fill it up from the field or your big scorer, you learn things that I think can extend an NBA or uh, professional career. What are your thoughts on that,
1: Coach Kelvin Sampson and his staff? Prepare. They're big on player development. Up until. The last two, three years, they really have not had NBA caliber players in the program. When Quinn Grimes came back from Kansas, he developed, he became a better player. He became ready for the NBA defensively, as you touched on it, much better than he was before coming to Houston. Quinn Grimes had the handles and that kind of skill set. But in Coach Samson's system, he was allowed to shine and flourish. He had a green light, but his defense got him drafted by the Knicks. Well, Coach Thibodeau loved Quinn Grimes' defensive potential capabilities because of what he saw him do at Houston. And then, at his defense to his offensive potential, you're seeing him begin to flourish with the Knicks in the NBA. So that's a great example that the Cougs can now go to high school kids, but kids in the transfer portal, and say, hey, look at our success with Quinn Grimes. Now, Jairus Walker, up front, is a lottery pick now. And one of the reasons he's a lottery pick is because of his versatility on defense. (laughs) So, it, it all goes hand-in-hand. Hand. The Houston Cougars men's basketball are getting NBA-caliber players, and then they're developing them to be ready for the NBA.
0: What all that good news that's happening at the University of Houston, what happened in the tournament? Not just in Miami, because it seems like they really only played one really outstanding half of basketball, Mm -hmm. what happened? I mean, was it just a Sasser injury? What what did it take on their lack of, really, performance in the tournament?
1: Jamal Shedd was not close to 100% healthy, despite what he said. Marcus Sasser, I think Marcus said he was about 90%, so I'm not sure how accurate that was either. But other outlets, other people believe that, you know, Tremont Mark, I'll just say it like this. He wasn't two feet in, Devin, you know, for a while. And that begins to impact the, your team and your performance on the court overall. If you are thinking about, man, I'm not getting enough shots. I, I think I need to have more overall. I, I think I need to be the number two option in the offense. And that starts to seep through the locker room. If it starts seeping onto the court, teammates see that. You know, oh, he checked out on us, man. So why he's not giving everything he has like he should. That could have been a factor as well. And then Coach Samson's sister passing away impacted him personally, of course, losing a loved one. So his focus was more with his family and not on the team. That's understandable. So a lot of different factors influenced the Houston Cougars down the stretch where they were not playing their optimal level of basketball. And then they ran into Nigel Pack in Miami, hitting all those threes. And, you know, tournament's one and done. And, hey, you just have one off night. That's all it takes in a tournament.
0: Yeah, no doubt about that. I want to ask you, and shift gears a little bit, asking about the women's tournament. Obviously, like I said, you have been around the women's game a lot, and it seems like this is a drive-by controversy from fans or people who are not really true fans of women's college basketball. What's your take on all of this stuff uh, pertaining to Angel Reese and all the things that went on in the, the Final Four?
1: It was obvious how many folks watch Iowa all season. <laughs> you know, not a, not as many as people come out to Woodworks and defending Caitlin Clark for Angel doing the "and hey, you see me" kind of thing in the title paddle mm-hmm. game. Caitlin, Clark had no problem with that. Caitlin Clark, she can take it as as much as she can dish it out. She had no issue with that at all because she's a competitor. She tr she talks trash, and the elite players. Men and women's side, the elite trash talkers, they have no problem if you talk trash back to them. Because you know why? Because two things. One, they believe, well, I got them off their game now. But two, they're fired up. I'm going to show you, you talk, talk this fact back, back to me. Now nah, let's see you deal with this. <laughs> so I had no problem with that at all. Angel talent talented player, we all saw it. Double-doubles, 34, 35 times this year. She is who she is. More of the country saw her personality come out on, on the court in the Final Four. But she didn't change us. That wasn't just her. in those two games.
0: That's heard throughout the season. So here's my contention on why all of that became a, a huge – I mean, there are layers to why all of this kind of has exploded into pop culture, into mass media. But I, my contention is – Angel Reese was not worried about South Carolina being disrespected. I think this was all about not wanting Caitlin Clark or feeling like Caitlin Clark got a disproportionate amount of attention and she wanted some of that shine. And lo and behold, she's done it. She's taken some of that shine away from uh, Caitlin Clark and gotten a lot more of the spotlight. I mean, she is on everything and, and everywhere. And so I really don't think... This was about South Carolina. I've never heard of a, a team offended by what you did to another team. And that other team beat you by 24 points in January. So I thought that was all BS from the beginning. What's your take on Angel Reese really just not wanting Caitlin Clark to get all the shine?
1: Well, I agree with you and your podcast, your show. You and I go back a long way. We, we live in America. We know what's up. We, we see how things go. Yeah, Caitlin Clark is a very talented player. No question. I voted for her when she was a freshman as the best freshman in the country. And I paid backers at UConn. So I've kept up her game since her freshman year. But for certain parts of American society, they will always lean toward the white player. Right. More than the African-American player, the person, the player of color. So that's why they come to the, in their mind, come to the defense of Caitlin Clark. She doesn't need any defending. She's good enough on her own skill set. All the, the accolades she received this year, some of that also white guilt that they did not give her her freshman year. They gave it to Paige Beckers because Paige went to UConn. <laughs> so it's it's it all comes back full circle. Hey, I'm sure if it's possible, ESPN or, or Fox, somebody going to try to schedule a non-conference matchup between LSU and Iowa next year. Oh, no so, doubt. No <laughs> doubt. So, but yeah, the trash talk, women's basketball, and people say it, you know, some folks, I mean, there's still some people who believe women should be playing sports. They shouldn't sweat. So trash talking, oh, that's not ladylike. This 2023, man. <laughs> that's what they These do. the ladies can play. They can compete. That's what they do. Right, right. <laughs> you know, so just because you late to the party, it's not their fault.
0: So, like I said, I just think that so much is, is, is like a culture war by proxy. But I do want to go back to something. I didn't plan to ask you about this one necessarily. But South Carolina, man, first of all, Don Staley can almost do no wrong. However, I do think down the stretch in that game, I don't think that was her finest hour as a coach what happened to South Carolina? This team was 36 and 0. You talk about, you, you could talk about Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark, but also uh, uh, Leah ba- uh, Boston is a, is a superstar in this game as well. Talk mm-hmm. a little bit about down the stretch in that game and what happened to South Carolina.
1: Dawn Staley did not coach, in my opinion, she coached not to lose rather than coach to win. Carolina, South Carolina was deeper, more athletes. Deeper bench, she did not utilize her bench enough like she should have. I was not 10-11 deep like South Carolina is. South Carolina could have been more aggressive from the beginning, trapping to get the ball out of Caitlin Clark's hands, forcing turnovers, scoring in transition. They should have done that. But in the half-court set, more high-low action, you could have. Aaliyah Boston was in foul trouble, yes. But second half, fourth quarter, you put Aaliyah Boston at the high post, tossed it down to... Camilo or barbecue chicken <laughs> all day long. Yeah. Or have a lead Boston shoot because a, a lot of shots that Cardosa got were re- rebounds. She was taller than anybody else for, for an hour. So she just put it back, laid it up, bucket. Not enough of that. Simple offense, man. Don't, don't make it complicated. You got advantage. You got the two tallest players on the floor, utilize them.
0: And I will say this, in that game and in the finals, I thought the officiating was, man, they, they have to really step up their game with the officiating because there was some horrible calls, including, in my opinion, the technical foul call on Caitlin Clark, One Angel Reese. It, it was a non-factor, but a foul call, a called on her was just, that shouldn't have been called. It was a clear missed call. Talk a little bit about the officiating. And, and I mean, in your opinion, does it need to improve or? Oh, no question.
1: In a lot of sports, but women's basketball, men's basketball, college, NBA officiating has gotten, gotten worse too, but specifically college, we're seeing the culmination of officials retiring for a couple of reasons. One, they're, they've aged out. Two, they don't want to hear the abuse that they're getting from parents. The pay is not good enough. So you have less officials working more games. I don't know exact numbers, but you may have the same official hired by three or four or five conferences. So how are they going to be at their best if they're flying all over the country to officiate the at different conferences? So it's a lot of different factors, but, oh, yeah, no question. No question. Officiating has to get much better. Women's hoops directly, but college basketball
0: overall. Yeah, one or two more things before we get out of here. LSU wins with nine young ladies that have transferred in. That cannot, first of all, that's not sustainable, I don't think. And, and right. that can't be good for college basketball, either on the men's or women's side. What's your take on that, and how can that change at all? all
1: right, that's NIL, man. We go back to it. LSU got a great NIL foundation. There is a person on the staff, her, her title, her role basically is to handle the NIL deals for the players on the team. That's her specific role. So she helps arrange the, what is it now, 17 deals that Angel Reese has? Wow. So that's part of LSU getting the transfers and now one of the top incoming freshman classes. But one concern that the high school kids need to look into is with so much activity in the transfer portal, more and more college programs are going to restock and reload via the portal at the expense of the high school senior. Wow.
0: I mean, that's, yeah, you you start to look at it, and now it's like NBA free agency on the Mm -hmm. college level. And, yeah, that can be really discouraging. And then what it does, it it seems like that would create a scenario where you had a minor leagues, and then when when they're ready, it's like in baseball, the the Kansas City Royals or the Oakland A's, and when they get good enough, then here come the Yankees and the the Red Sox and the Dodgers and the Mets coming up to just sign them as free agents. That's pretty discouraging. Is there any thought anywhere in college basketball uh, about, as it pertains to LSU and Kim Mulkey, about her lack of support for Brittany Griner? Because it seemed like back in the day, if if I saw you not have the back of your superstar that gave you a a, a national championship, I, that would give me pause before I would select LSU as my, my school.
1: Agree. I agree, agree with you. And I may upset some folks. When I say this, that's okay.
0: I've yeah, <laughs>
1: said folks before. <laughs> but that's my – I have I have a bigger issue with Angel Reese and the players playing for Kim Mulkey than anything else because Kim Mulkey did not have Brittany Griner's back.
0: Not even a little bit.
1: <laughs> not even a little bit. So I got issue with that. And I think um, some of the top high school players have committed to LSU. It didn't bother you that she basically just completely disrespected her best player. And y'all still gonna play it for her? You know, so yeah, I, I got I have more of a problem with that than a lot of other stuff. So I was that was like the last draw for me and Kim Mulkey because she just had completely ignored Nikki Collin, who never coached Britney at Baylor, defended Britney more than Kim Moki did.
0: And and it's not hard to make a statement. I mean right. the statement just has to be, hey, we, we want her back. You know, hey, we hope she and she wouldn't do any of that. None mm-hmm. of that. For Brittany Griner, it's it's heartbreaking in a lot of ways. And then you hear the stories about how she didn't want her to come out and you you had to behave a certain way. It couldn't expose your sexuality. And it sounded pretty oppressive for young ladies that are trying to figure some things out for themselves. Doesn't seem like uh, the lady you want uh, helping your daughter go from, you know, girlhood to womanhood i don't know i agree with you on that
1: so i would not it's you know i'm not a parent i don't have a daughter but i would not if i was asked to make suggestions about where my daughter should you know a friend's daughter should go to play for you know attend a college and play for a coach lsu was not on the list because of kim Mulkey and how she hurt the whole bringing grounders situation and of course some other stuff i've heard about but lsu ain't it
0: yeah. Well, like I said, man, it's a fascinating conversation. I know you do it all the time. You got, you're got you doing a lot of work now. I'm seeing you all over television. You're making it happen. Your brand is growing, man. You're doing a tremendous job, and I'm rooting for your continued success. How can folks uh, get in contact with you and hear more of this wonderful content?
1: Man, I uh, thank you for those kind words. My website is HoustonRoundBarView.com. Same thing on YouTube, Houston Round Bar View on Instagram and TikTok for now until it gets banned. But uh, follow me there. And, and of course, on Twitter at T-H-E-V. Some of us say the H-R-Review. So Twitter, T-H-E-H-R-Review. Then the website. And everywhere else, Houston Round Bar Review. And
0: what's your catchphrase? Because I love it. Local name, global perspective. That's my man. And you know what? Man, we've been at this thing for a long time in this market. And and like I said, it's nice to see your familiar face and, and really uh, you getting to enjoy some of the fruits of your years of labor, man. And you, you picked the lane many years ago and you have been true to it. And that's why you're so great at it. So continue your success. And we hope to visit with you again.
1: I look forward to it, Devin, man. Thank you very much as always, man. You take care.
0: To have your comments heard, call 832-941-6614. want to thank our guy, Chris Gardner. Looking forward to visiting with him again, and be sure to check him out. Houston Round Ball Review, he's doing his thing. But with that, it's time for the Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck. But I hope your ship sinks with no lifeboats and no life preserver and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big dummy. The Lamont Award goes to the player team entity, someone in or around the world of sports we deem to be the big dummy of the episode. And this time the Lamont Award goes out to a Lamont, a real life Lamont earns the Lamont Award. I'm talking about Connecticut Governor Ned Lamont. Now he came down to support the Yukon Huskies in the Final Four. And he has some things to say about Houston. Uh, among them was this quote: Quote, after winning the semifinals, you walk around downtown Houston, which is but ugly, not much there. End quote. <laughs> Wait a minute, what? What? Are you taking shots at my city? At my city? And of course he's walked that back a little bit and he talked about how gracious the people were. But before he got a chance to walk those statements back a little bit, he got checked by our mayor, my mayor. Had a chance to talk to him a number of times. I got pictures with him on Instagram. Houston's mayor, Sylvester Turner. He said, Quote, We feed you, dine you, host you, house you, clean up after you, and you're gonna go back and talk about butt ugly? Which end was he looking from? End quote. I mean, they went back and forth and said a lot lot of other things. But, man, Ned Lamont, don't make me go to Google Maps on you. And I don't have any reason to go to Connecticut unless Bristol, the folks from Bristol call. I don't anticipate that call coming. But other than that, Connecticut, what are you really talking about here? What are we really talking about? And where were you? Where were you that you were talking about in the city of Houston? So, now, if you had complaints about the traffic, I got it. It was very humid, it was very hot. If you want to talk about at I me mean for April, I mean for the first day of April, it was really hot and really it was like 90 degrees, it was really humid. If you want to talk about the weather, I'm cool with that. But don't don't come at my city cuz I will Google map Hartford or what some of these other towns, Milford or New Haven. I'm telling you I have no real dealings with Connecticut I don't know anybody that knows anything about Connecticut other than the basketball team in Bristol. So there you have it. So those are the two things I know about Connecticut. But if I Google Map, y'all better have some hell of a downtown in New Haven or Hartford or what what is your what is the 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 capital? Is it Hartford? Hartford. Look, you guys couldn't even keep a hockey team. How you gonna come in and it's cold there. That's hockey country. And you couldn't keep a hockey team. But you want to talk about downtown Houston. Hey man, you can't come somewhere and get treated the way we treat people cuz we are we are gracious hosts and go back and talk noise about the city. That's in horrible taste. That's poor 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 taste you must have thought that this wasn't gonna get back to us but we hear everything we got our ear to the streets down here in the h and i tell you what on behalf of beyonce and lizzo and bun b and sylvester turner and akeem olajuwon and earl campbell and all the great houstonians that make this a special special city i say to you ned lamont you are a big dummy you big dummy (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i would have to do research on connecticut just to talk about connecticut that's how irrelevant connecticut is the only thing i knew about christmas in connecticut and that's what Bing crosby right so I, yeah i would would want to go up there for the snowy christmases but your metropolitan areas if you want to call them those like new haven and hartford yeah i'm not thinking that there's a lot to see there. So, I mean, I don't want to go at your state, but come on, man. For real. <laughs> Be better. Be better, Ned Lamont. Be better. With that, uh, let's close this thing out. But before I let go. Before I let go, before I, I want to thank our guest, Chris Gardner. In addition to that, I want to thank our sponsors, Brighter Brains and Cobank Homes. want to thank our resident, DJ DJ anarchy want to thank you guys uh, for calling listening remember call us on the sports line 832-941-6614 in addition to that you can go to the sports talk with devin wade group page join that be sure to share text comment or go to your different forums and comment on the podcast we need that sort of feedback from you guys in addition to that on instagram d wade 909 and of course on twitter at Wade's Word W-A-D-E-S-W-O-R-D Wade's Word and if you can't remember any of that please remember these four things number one I don't do no favors after 6 o'clock in the evening two I ain't got no money three I'm not harboring any fugitives from justice and four bye (laughs) this has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast remember you can follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word thank you for listening